0: Welcome to Jedi Master's Degree. I'm Biggs. It's episode four. We're going to talk about Splinter the Mind's Eye. If you're like me, you might have skipped ahead and this is the very first one you listen to because sometimes I like hearing the hidden gems. If you are just skipping in, it's fine. Welcome. We are going to talk about an unusual novel today. We'll get into why it's unusual in a little bit, but before we do, I want to remind the whole audience that we have an email address that I would love for you to write at. It's jedimastersdegree at gmail.com. Please let me know what you think about the show. We've already got all the plans for Season 1 wrapped up, and by the time you hear this, it's probably all recorded, but... I would love to hear your ideas for what you want to hear for season two when we do the Legends era. I should also probably say that if you want to find us on social media, you can like the Not Safer Network page on Facebook, or you can follow NSF underscore network. It's under Alex Big Small. And all of our podcasts for the Not Safer Network are on there, and occasionally I'll throw up a Star Wars thing or two on there. So let's get into the show proper. So Splinter of the Mind's Eye was written by Alan Dean Foster. He also wrote the original Star Wars novelization for George Lucas. He still writes for Star Wars. He most recently did the novelization for The Force Awakens. One of the things that makes Splinter of the Mind's Eye a bit of an anomaly is that it was supposed to be Star Wars 2. You might recall during the New Hope episodes I talked about how George Lucas leveraged his success with this movie right before Star Wars. Instead of getting a bigger direct paycheck, he asked for merchandising and sequel rights. Because he had those sequel rights, he had it in his mind that no matter what, he was going to try and make some sequels to this, even if it wasn't a big box office draw. And so his assignment to Alan Dean Foster was write another book in the Star Wars universe. It should serve as a backdoor sequel for Star Wars should Star Wars not be a big success. And so this was written to be a low budget movie potentially if Star Wars didn't take off. Obviously Star Wars took off and so we got Empire Strikes Back which we'll cover in two episodes. But it left this as the very first EU novel. The first extended universe thing that we have is Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which that alone makes it a noteworthy book. So another thing that George Lucas said is it should be able to be filmed cheaply. So this takes place on a swamp planet because if you don't want to build a bunch of sets, you just use the same set over and over again with smoke machines in various places and you can get away with doing that. And then the whole third act takes place underground. So naturally, you can use the same set over and over again because it's a stone place underground. Makes sense, right? The only thing that Lucas didn't like in this book was there was a dog fight at the beginning of it between Princess Leia's ship and somebody else. And so they cut that out because Lucas deemed that as being too expensive. So it's not in the novel. Harrison Ford was not signed on for the sequel, so we don't see Han Solo or Chewie in this book. And then, of course, since Star Wars was a hit, Harrison Ford went on. He was in Empire Strikes Back. The book was a bestseller. It was released a year after Star Wars. And so it was a big hit. Um, In 1994, when they started organizing the EU a little bit better for Star Wars, they set this story taking place two years after A New Hope and one year before the Empire Strikes Back. So that would set it at 2 ABY. Now, what is ABY? ABY is the system that Star Wars uses to track years. So, for example... With us, if you've got B.C., you know, if you go with the Christian meaning, it's before Christ. If you go with the other definitions, it's before Common Era. And then A.D., right? Like, you've got the numbering system there. And Star Wars, A.B.Y. means after the Battle of Yevon. What's the Battle of Yevon, you asked? We talked about it last episode. That is the battle where the Rebels destroyed the Death Star. So this was so important to them that they look at that as the new era for numbering. And everything before that, I believe, is a negative A-B-Y. In 1996, they took this book and they made a comic book adaption of it for Dark Horse Comics. But they added characters that weren't in it, that were in Empire Strikes Back, to kind of flesh it out with all the characters that we know. So let's get started into the book here. I want to say right at the top that there will be spoilers. I'm basically just giving away the entire book. And you can decide whether it's worth reading to you or not. But I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm saying everything that happens. So Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia are going to Sir Four for a Rebel Alliance meeting. Leia's Y-Wing malfunctions... And she has to land on Mimban, which I believe is Sicarius 5, but they also call it Minban for some reason. Uh, this is the spot that there was originally a dogfight at the movie and George Lucas had it replaced. Uh, this planet is also featured in solo a Star Wars story. Its name was borrowed for the city that's mined for Kyber and Rogue One, but it was renamed to Jeddah before it came out. So a little bit of history there. People like to do nods of this in Star Wars because it is the beginning of the EU once again. So it's one of those things that nerds hold this up and a little bit of reverence, whether they like this story or not. The planet's very foggy and swampy. They find out right away it's much like Dagobah in that way. Luke follows her ship down in his X-Wing. They find out that it was an energy storm that caused their ships to crash and it's caused by some energy mining on the planet. Luke gets out of his X-Wing with R2-D2 and searches for Leia. He finds her in C-3PO. They pack up their supplies in search of a beacon that they think might have ships that will aid them in their escape to Minban. Hey, Biggs. How's it going? Yeah, Producer Fett, what's going on? I had
1: some excerpts in this book I kind of wanted to read off, if it's okay. Some real awesome stuff.
0: Sure, go for it.
1: This is... he lowered himself next to her as he unlatched her seat he became conscious of the confined space they were working in awkwardly pressed up against him the princess seemed to take no notice of their proximity in the dampness though her body heat was near palpable to luke and he had to force himself to keep his attention on what he was
0: doing uh thanks producer Fett.
1: on, Luke stealing admiring glances at her when she wasn't looking. Disheveled and caked with mud from the waist down, she was still beautiful.
0: Thanks, Producer Fett. So this is a good time to point out that not all of this works in the canon of Star Wars because George Lucas, no matter how much he claims he knew exactly where it was going, didn't totally know where the story was going. And there has been many drafts of scripts that prove that Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker were not brother and sister until he got the idea it's some draft of Return of the Jedi. And we'll get into that more when we get into the Jedi podcast. But for right now, I've got a quote from Alan Dean Foster talking about this because it's one of the biggest things people bring up to him whenever they talk about this book. So he said, at the time, the indications and the vibes that I got from the first film was that they were not siblings and that Luke was interested in her and she was casually, perhaps, interested in him. And you actually get that feeling partway through The Empire Strikes Back too. And he is not wrong. So moving on. They realize that they're approaching a mining town and that the Empire has an energy mine hidden there. So they find some clothes to help them blend in and they change into them.
1: Oh yeah, i I got a little bit to read here too. Um, So well pleased with himself, Luke stepped down to the ground and began unsnapping his flight suit out. He was partly undressed when he paused and noticed the princess staring at him on. We have to hurry. She put her hands on her seal-curved hips, cocked her head to one side, and stared meaningfully at him. Oh, he murmured, half-smiling. He turned away and continued undressing, feeling that nothing had changed behind him. He sneaked a glance and saw the princess still eyeing him uncomfortably. What's wrong, princess? She sounded embarrassed. Luke, I like you. We've known each other for a while, but I'm not sure I can trust you. Now,
0: um, thanks, producer Fett. I oh got a few more of these. Uh, thanks. Okay, so from there, they enter a bar and they get some grub. And then Imperial notices that they stand out a bit. Luke claims that Leia's a slave. We'll come back to that in Jedi as well and Leia talks back to him. And so I pulled this quote from there because this is just a sign of the times where it's not okay anymore. And sometimes we forget that Star Wars is old as dirt. And so sometimes I'm going to pull out stuff like this to kind of point out that it hasn't aged so well. So This is a part of the book. It says, without realizing what he is doing, he reached out and slapped her hard across the face as heads turned in their direction and said loudly, No favors for you until I'm finished eating. One hand went to her burning cheek. Wide-eyed and voiceless, the princess slowly sat back down. So yeah, they had Luke slapping Leia so that they could get away with their, uh, subterfuge. Don't think that flies so well today. It's... Comes off as pretty bad. So an old woman named Hala comes and sits next to Luke and says that she believes Luke is strong with the Force. Eventually, Luke susses out that she will not tell the Imperials and admits it. She takes out a small glowing crystal that seems to magnify Luke's power. She calls it a Kyber crystal. So this is notable for a couple of reasons. The first is it's spelled Kyber. K A I B U R R. Later, we'll spell it K Y B E R. And when we see Kyber crystals in the future, it'll be an energy source for lightsabers, as well as the Death Star, the Star Killer Base, the millions upon millions of star destroyers that apparently are all Death Stars, all of that. It's all ran by Kyber crystals. That's where they're mining them from Jeddah. So you can see where they would make that connection with Rogue One. Halla tells them that the growing crystal is a splinter of the kyber crystal, which is very big. Halla gets Leia and Luke to agree to help them find the crystal, and in exchange she'll help them get off the planet. Luke also realizes when he's looking at this crystal that his force powers are magnified. So they leave the restaurant and Leia punches Luke back. They begin play fighting and some miners get in a fight with Luke because they holler that fighting is illegal. Um, y- yeah... <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to fight him? This never made sense to me. This is one of those things where they could have gone a million different directions and I don't know why Alan Dean Foster went this direction. Like, hey, don't fight. It's illegal. So I'm going to fight you. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so Luke cuts off one of their hands. This is the first of a couple of hands that will be chopped off in this book, which is obviously a motif that we will see in Star Wars a lot. Uh, some stormtroopers take Luke and lay on the brawlers to jail. The droids and Harlem manage to hide and they remain free free the two miners are told they will be locked up so this is a little thing that i pulled out because i think it's a good example of setting up the empire and reminding you that this is an evil government emboldened one of the miners decided to push his luck stepping forward he announced captain supervisor gramell i appeal the judgment grimmel eyed the man the way a botanist would a new species of weed you have the right on what ground "'Shortness. Shortness of trial and informality of circumstances,' the man finally got out. "'Very well. Since I am imperial law here, I will consider your appeal myself.' Gramell paused a moment and then said easily, your appeal is rejected. Then I appealed to the Imperial Resources representative in charge of the mining operations, the man reposted. I want to see the judgment reviewed in another fashion. Certainly, Gramell agreed. He walked over to the wall behind his desk, taking a long, thin bar of plastic from its place there. He pressed the switch at one end, and as he came back around the desk, he said, the conversation has been recorded. He depressed another switch, and the bar showed a moving line of words, across Across its waxy surface. When the record had finished, he raised and abruptly thrust one end of unyielding plastic into the argumentative miner's eye. So, kind of cruel, right? Like, this is maybe the cruelest officer we've seen yet. I'm including Vader in that. We didn't see Vader do any petty little things like that, so. Uh, we've only really seen Vader and a TIE fighter blowing up people, striking down Obi-Wan, who he has a lot of history with, and force choking somebody in the Imperials who's questioning him. So all somewhat understandable compared to this. So they're really painting Grimel to be very unreasonable, somebody that you're not supposed to like right away. I dislike these administrative details, Grimmel says amiably to Luke and the princess. But this is a largely unknown, unexplored world, and I have little time to waste. Sometimes my decisions must be fast and harsh. Only the degree of their ability to devise more sophisticated debasements for themselves separates the human animals that work here from the natives. This kind of inventiveness has been persistent in a lamentable quality of mankind's for millennia. Realizing that as you must, I'm sure you too will be more sensible than those lower types who just left us. So I want to talk about this little section of what he just said. This is textbook colonialism. This is what... A lot of people had against what the U.S. was doing in Vietnam and George Lucas was against the Vietnam War, as we said before. And so that bled over into Star Wars. When you hear people say that Star Wars isn't political, they're just wrong. They are just wrong. Right here in the first EU book, you're seeing a giant piece of colonialism. They're looking at these creatures that feel like they have a right to their resources. He feels like they have to be harsh to make these creatures obey and understand because they're lesser than themselves. This is how a lot of people looked at how countries like the United States treated the Vietnamese. And so that's important to understand when you're listening to this. You have to take it into the context of the time. Also, just on a fantasy level, the Empire has a lot of laws, but it's evil as hell, right? Like all of these things that he's doing are totally legal and totally within his bounds. He's not breaking any laws. It's just those laws are unjust, and he is an unjust arbitrator of those laws. So it's kind of an important thing to understand for this world at the time. Star Wars will get more into the gray area. Is, but especially when you're talking about the 70s and 80s, it is very much black and white. So Luke and Leia are given an interrogation by Grimmel. He takes Luke's lightsaber and the shard of the crystal. They feed him a bunch of lies to avoid Grimel realizing that they're rebels. Leia insults him, which he responds by kicking her in the hip and then in the arm and then in the spine. Honestly, I segmented this to read off, but I don't think I need to do this to death. They really treat leia horribly in this novel in a couple of spots they really beat her and it's interesting because when i read some of this stuff talking about leia there's something that i'll read off later and they try and make that out like leia fights and so it is a bastion of feminism but it's really not because the majority of this book she is either getting beaten by luke for show or getting beaten by imperials to keep her in line Or she's being leered at by Luke. It's just not a good look. Hasn't really aged very well. So Grimel throws him in a cell with two Yazem, which are these alien creatures that are really furry, named Hin and Ki. Grimel reports all that happened to the regional governor, Asada. Hala goes to the window of the cell and uses the force to move food trays through jail bars and then use them to open the jail cell by hitting the switch the Yuzem kill a bunch of Imperials and find Luke and Leia's weapons returning them to them. Hollis steals a vehicle and goes with Luke, Leia, and the droids to find the crystal. While they're in this vehicle and I find this very fascinating Luke recharges his lightsaber he's got a cord that he pulls out from the vehicle and plugs it into the lightsaber. I guess like a cigarette lighter to try and bring it back up. Which first off, lightsabers gotta drain a car battery right away, right? (laughs) Like, it just seems to me like a lightsaber going for I'm gonna say like five minutes. Takes up a whole tank of gas, probably. Like that's a, that's an enormous amount of energy. I mean, we're talking about something that can cut through metal. So I gotta imagine this isn't the best way to charge it. Maybe maybe charge it on the Death Star next time. You know what I mean? But I guess you blew it up, so you can't really do that either. Uh it's interesting because in later lore they decide that the kyber crystals are what are the energy source for the lightsaber, so they're able to skip this whole we need to charge a thing all together by just having the crystals be semi-magical and leaving it at that but they didn't have that just yet so this is why this book is very soft canon for the day because it was immediately undone as soon as they started doing all the eu stuff Hala thinks that the kyber crystal is in the temple of Pamajima. The vehicle suddenly gets stopped by a giant worm called a wandrella, which tries to eat them. Luke and Leia get separated from the rest of the group on foot and are chased by the worm. Eventually, they fall down a well and hide on a ledge. The wandrella chases after them, but falls down the well.
1: Oh yeah, I got I got another excerpt here. Um, At the same time, the princess grew aware of how tightly she was clinging to him. Their proximity engendered a wash of used emotions it would be proper to disengage and move away a little proper but not nearly as satisfying she was utterly drained and the comfort she derived from leaning against him was worth any feeling of impropriety
0: uh thank you again producer fett yeah no problem some of my favorite stuff hey i got a quick question for you you big game of thrones fan Who were you rooting for to take the throne?
1: Seriously, wasn't everybody?
0: I kind of figured that. All right, thanks, Producer Fett. All right, babe. Go along. Have a good day off. Move along. See you later. Move along. So Luke and Leia explore the well, which leads them to an underground lake. They find a lily pad that works as a boat. A creature attacks them from the water, but Luke fights it with his lightsaber. They eventually get to an underground city that looks like it's abandoned. They are, however, being followed by an alien race called Koways. They kill all but one who run off to tell the rest of the tribe. Luke and Leia follow it... And Luke then has to fight the Koway's champion. Luke wins, of course, but immediately afterwards, he senses Darth Vader's presence on the planet. The Imperials with Darth Vader and Grimel in tow start attacking the Koways The Koways fight back hard, causing a few stormtroopers to retreat with their leader. Luke is horrified, seeing that the Koways murdered the injured stormtroopers. And he actually kind of mentions this to Leia, and Leia just gives him a, yeah, welcome to the world kind of thing, which I find another interesting moment because they're really trying to express that Leia understands how the world works and Luke is still this bright eyed farm boy who doesn't quite get it. And it seemed like that was more Han Solo's job in the last movie. And so, since you don't have Han Solo, you farm that over to Leia, who actually makes a lot of sense for being that person. It's just kind of interesting how you can use a different dynamic to drive home the same point. Darth Vader starts yelling at Grimmel for not preparing his troops properly. He tells him that as soon as they realized that they were fighting guerrilla tactics, they should have switched how they were responding. Grimmel says he had no idea that they were going to be under the leadership of Luke or Leia and it wasn't his fault. Darth Vader says he will enact justice when he holds the kyber crystal and this is great. So Grimmel tells him that he was hoping that he'd get that honor. Vader snaps up his lightsaber, slashes it through Grimmel and then kicks him off of the transport saying that they'll move much quicker without his dead weight. I love that, dude. It's so great. I just love villains turning on villains it's so dumb it's this great trope that i just never get tired of and i guess my favorite thing about empire is the fact that vader kills a lot of people and most of them are his own officers <laughs> and i just love that at some point they decided after star wars let's just have vader really go after everybody because all he does is force choke somebody and a new hope and he doesn't even get to force choke them to completion but in this one he's killing officers and an empire Empire Strikes Back. I think he kills two officers. Pretty great. They double down on what they did in the book. So Vader heads towards the temple. Luke finds a leftover transport and his group heads there as well. Luke, Leia, Hala, Hen, Key, C-3PO, and R2-D2 arrive at the temple realizing they've beaten the Imperials there. The droid and the Yuzum wait outside. A huge creature immediately attacks Luke, Leia, and Hala. They fail to scare it away with blasters, so Luke cuts down one of the temple's pillars to crush the creature. But in the process, Luke's leg is pinned as Hala makes her way towards the crystal. Darth Vader enters, announcing that he killed the Yuzum and turned off the droids. Leia grabs Luke's lightsaber and starts fighting Vader. So this is interesting too, because up to this point, a couple of times, they mention that Leia's got PTSD from dealing with that imperial probe that Vader puts on her in A New Hope. And despite that, she's picking up her lightsaber. She's fighting Darth Vader, even though she knows she doesn't have a chance of beating him. It is probably the only really good moment for Leia in this entire book, which is unfortunate but it is what it is. They expressly announced that she doesn't have the force. And so she's not doing a great job of fighting him, which once again, she didn't have the force at this point. They hadn't written that she had the force yet. It looks like Vader's got Leia in a bad position. Leia's, about to get killed by Vader. And Vader takes a second to look over at Luke and tells him that he's been looking for a while for the Skywalker who destroyed the Death Star and that he can't wait to get his revenge on him. And gives him one of those real slow kind of things, right? One of the Yuzum who's supposed to be dead comes back and lifts up the rock that's pinned Luke. Obi-Wan starts telling Luke what to do in his head. You know, Luke, use the force, that kind of thing. And Hala has gotten the crystal and given it to Luke. And so Luke is even more powerful than he would be normally. And so this is how he's able to go toe-and-toe with Vader. At some point, Luke chops off Vader's arm. Darth picks up the lightsaber with his other good arm and just keeps fighting, just switches arm, keeps fighting, and starts defeating Luke. I wonder if it was one of those moments where Luke chopped off his arm and he had a robot arm and he was like, Ah, but I am not the left-handed. I don't know. but I find it funny that he goes to his off arm and suddenly he's beating Luke, even though Luke is, has got his power up crystal there. As Vader is about to get the killing strike on Luke, the floor suddenly caves in and Vader disappears. And that is something called deus ex machina. If you don't know what that means, look it up, kids. Uh, Luke feels through the force that Vader has not died, so they're leaving it open for another one because as you may remember, George Lucas wanted to make three. I do believe he wanted to make three. I really do believe it. I I don't think he knew exactly what he was going to do for those three, but he definitely wanted to make three and this kind of proves it. Luke and Leia heal up and they go to the planet. Luke hands a crystal to Hala and tells her that she might as well keep it since she's leaving with them. Luke tells her she would do a world of good and that he knew a smuggler and a pirate who thought the same way she did. This is one of those things where... I don't see any evidence of that. She never really thinks like Han. The only part that even approaches it is she sneaks off to get the crystal, but it's not even for fortune or glory, kind of thing. So I don't know. I, they were kind of trying to throw her into that role of the Han solo role, but it didn't really work for how they put that character together but whatever it doesn't matter because we got empire strikes back thank god so that is splinter of the mind's eye you might notice this episode is shorter than the movie episodes sometimes that's going to happen with the books and the cartoons and all of that stuff these episodes are going to be as long as they need to be so sometimes they'll be short episodes sometimes they'll be long episodes but this is kind of what you can expect from now on so this is probably a good place to stop this episode Join us next week when we talk about the absolute tragedy, the travesty that we call the Star Wars Holiday Special. We're going to have a lot of fun making fun of it. May the Force be with you.
1: any chance you got season one of game of thrones there
0: we have so many shows on the not safer network download the entire first season of the show not afraid of the star wars fan base but maybe it should be jedi master's degree two movies enter and only one movie leaves listen to box office battle learn the history of television one show at a time with the podcast in syndication music anime pop culture movies tv show and the random babbling of two dudes who need to find something better to do check out a feast of geeks the podcast that's perfectly described with its title movies with wrestlers and download the entire first season of the radio drama about a serial killer ripped from the pages of a hundred-year-old cookbook a thousand ways to please a husband